Hey everybody, I'm Ashley and welcome to a very special Christmas edition of The Dollar Club, our opportunity to give just $1 and see the amazing things that can happen when we all do good together. This Christmas, we wanted to help people in need of transportation. So today we're sitting down with Lindsay of Open Table Nashville and Husnia, a refugee from Afghanistan. And we reached out to our friends at Mechanics on a Mission to see how they could help. Brian, Ryan, thank you so much for being here with us today. How did Mechanics on a Mission start? We weren't uh, set out to do Mechanics on a Mission. We would just answer kind of a calling that was there. Those in our community, single moms and dads, widows, military vets, who need somebody to give them hope and encouragement in a real and tangible way, and we do that through vehicles. We knew we could start fixing people's cars for free and that blossomed into giving cars away in the long run. Now we're over 200 cars fixed, over 50 given away. We're a smaller organization and all of us have full-time jobs. So we're doing this on our margin and on our extra time. And these yeah. guys are amazing. Uh, they're able to take a car that isn't running and make it safe and operable because we don't want to give away trouble. We want to give away blessings. You are the co-founder of Open Table Nashville. What are some of the ways that you serve this community? Our main programs are homeless outreach. That's the heart of what we do. Going out and meeting people where they are and building relationships of trust and solidarity. People are used to being invisible. That's what we hear a lot. I felt invisible until the Open Table Outreach worker rolled up on my corner and offered me socks and got to know my name. We also do a lot of community education. There's so many misconceptions about people struggling on the streets. One is that people don't work. You know, the last time I was at Tent City, I saw my friend's tent and he had his hard hat and his um, safety jacket on. He's literally building the high rises and luxury condos, but he's not getting a wage that he can afford housing in our city. Well, I know that you're also working to help people find permanent housing. And the last count we did said homelessness was up in Nashville 11%. The shelters are already full, and it's a very difficult thing to live in a very crowded environment. Resources in Nashville and housing in Nashville is incredibly complex and incredibly difficult to find, especially if you have barriers or don't have someone navigating that with you. Everyone we move into housing has a different story and um, different bags and baggage as we all do. It's a beautiful thing to be able to welcome somebody, not just to a house or apartment, but to a home. And we believe that part of our mission is bringing housing, healing, and hope in the margins of the city. Everyone deserves a seat at the table and not crumbs from the table. Husnia, you came from Afghanistan. You moved to the U.S. in 2021. Yes. Can you tell me about life in Afghanistan and what that was like for you? Life was really good because we had school uh, we've been to school, we have friends, my relative was there. Uh, we spent time with everyone. And after the Taliban took over, these girls cannot go to school. People don't have any jobs. The situation is really bad. We were living in fear. My father worked with US Embassy. And his life were in danger. I know your education was so important to you, so... It is really important for me that I want to be a doctor. You want to be a doctor? Yes. I'm really happy that I'm here and I can improve my education here. Probably some days I can help them yeah. to improve their education in Afghanistan. Your family is really having to completely start over. 
in Nashville. When we left Afghanistan with only one clothes. Only the clothes on your back? Uh, yes. Uh, that's all I had. Yeah. Everything was really hard. We had no license. We had no car. After six months, my father got the driver license. Well, your dad works several days a week, and then on your dad's one day off, you're working at Kroger to try and help the family pay bills, right? Yes. You guys only have one car, so... Um, yeah. If you had transportation, would you be able to work more to help your family more if you had another car? Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. We are so grateful that you all partnered with us today. And I know that we said we wanted to share your story and also have you be a part of today. Because of the Dollar Club and the generosity of so many people, we have a check for Mechanics on a Mission for $10,000. Oh my goodness. Oh my word. That is absolutely amazing. So. That, oh, wow, man, thank you, thank you. We want to surprise you with something. You can open your eyes. This is your car. No way. <laughs> yes, one. Yes, I can't believe that. We wanted to come alongside you and Open Table Nashville in the way that we know that we can. I have a check today for you for um, $10,000. We don't just get these things, these gifts. And so this means a lot right now. So I really appreciate it deeply. We also have one more thing for you. You can open your eyes now. on a mission, refurbished this entire box truck. Y'all, this is so beautiful. I've driven some moving trucks in my day. I feel like we're gonna move some people in. Yeah, you are. <laughs> right it is the best i love dollar club so much it's amazing there's so much good in that video i mean for starters how fun is it to go to a generous church don't you love being in a church where everyone sitting around you loves to be generous too i mean that is really fun it's fun to watch our generosity at work it is really fun to watch how our our staff creative team does such a beautiful job with the storytelling and ashley with hosting it I love that we get to like celebrate these ministries that are doing incredible work for our neighbors. And, and one thing that stood out to me besides y'all's incredible generosity is the crowd of people that were standing there when the car was given and when the truck was given and how much they like, I think Erica jumped like three feet off the ground, right? I mean, they're just standing there celebrating simply because there is something to be celebrated. Well, welcome to Advent. There is something to be celebrated. My favorite way to celebrate is with a confetti popper. 
And because the people here are very kind to me at my church, I'm gonna get to shoot off a confetti popper to start this morning. It's gonna make a loud sound, that is your warning, but it's also gonna be beautiful. So um, you guys are a little bit in the splash zone, but I'll be careful. So let's just like celebrate. I think I can do this. Oh yeah. Isn't that so pretty? Right. It's really lovely. Last time I got a lot of snowflakes in my hair. So I think it went better this time. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Do that with that. If this is your first time, welcome to Crosspoint. We don't confetti pop every week, but the good ones we do. Um, so glad y'all are here. This is our third week of our Advent series where Pastor Kevin has been teaching us about how Jesus is worthy. That's kind of been our focus word is Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of our praise, our affection, our time, our waiting the interruptions that happen. Oh, I thought that was so good last week when Pastor Kevin taught that. And today we're gonna to talk about how Jesus is worthy of our celebration. There is so much to celebrate about Jesus, his love, his kindness, his teachings that are in the word, his sacrifice, I mean, obviously his followers didn't celebrate the day of his death. How could they know, right? Of course they didn't. But now we know that Jesus dying on the cross shifted things forever. It shifted things past, present, and future. It changed everything. And then he resurrected. He's alive. He's a living God. If I had an Easter confetti popper, what would I do? Right? I mean, he is alive. There's this book, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels. And when John writes about Jesus, he starts with in the beginning was the word. He calls him the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And when we get to verse four, look at this. The word, Jesus, the word gave life to everything that was created. And that and his life brought light to everyone, to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. That is beautiful. That is worth celebrating. But there's a problem for you. There's a problem for me. We have a problem because it doesn't always feel light. In a room this size and all of our friends watching online, like there's no world where we all showed up and were like, today's the best day. There's just, the, the math doesn't work in our favor. There are all of us, if most of us, maybe all of us came in today with something that is just a little challenging, something that feels dark. It's in the world, there is war and there's poverty. There's pain and illness. There's heartache and disappointment and anxiety and grief. There's cancer, there's death, there's miscarriages, there's job loss and betrayal, there's breakups at Christmas, brutal. And also where we live this time of year, it is dark. I mean, the sun is setting at four o'clock. It is really dark right now. So if you came today and you think, man, it feels really dark in my life. I get it, me too. 
I feel that too. I am, um, I'm really stressed about some things at work. I don't know if you're feeling that about your job, but I um, write books, I host a few podcasts, I have a company with some employees, and then I part own a podcast network as well. So in these two companies, there are just like problems to solve before the end of the year, but now is the we'll deal with that next year time, circle back time. There are conversations to be had before the end of the year. There are budgets to balance before the end of the year. Did I mention there are problems to solve? There are problems to solve. It's like a hamster wheel in the back of my mind all the time right now. Whether I'm lying up, standing up or lying down or sitting or driving, or it's just, we got problems to solve. And yet, we're also having Christmas parties, right? And yet it's also the end of the year and we set big goals for next year. And, and so you gotta hold both somehow. And what I would say to you in a season that is dark and yet is also celebratory, the work of being human is learning to hold joy and suffering at the same time. Holding peace and problems, holding wonder and worry, holding light and dark somehow figuring out how to have these celebrations in the dark of our lives. If Jesus is worthy of our celebration, and spoiler alert, he is, Jesus is worthy of our celebration. And if there is something to be celebrated here, how do we celebrate in the dark? In this series, we have stayed pretty solidly in the book of Luke. I love Luke. Luke is such a good writer. He's a physician. He's a researcher. I love the way he writes. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me right to Luke 1. We're going to start right at the beginning. But the very first thing Luke says is what he is doing is drawing up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So he's literally doing the research and the whole book of Luke, he isn't there. But a fun thing, if you've never read this before, or if you have and you're looking for like a new rhythm for 2024, Luke wrote the book of Luke and he also wrote Acts. And so it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. So if you wanted to read kind of like, the two stories put together, maybe two chapters of the same book. You can read Luke and then Acts. And, and he's in Acts. He's telling you stories that he was in, but he researched for his first part for the book of Luke. So as you're hearing the stories and as you're reading the book of Luke, just think of someone going, tell me how that happened and, and writing it down. And wait, what, what did he say? And writing it down. Because he's doing the research. They're great to read together, Luke and Acts. So we're gonna take a few minutes today in the beginning of the book of Luke. And we're gonna look at all the celebrations that happened around Jesus's birth. One of the things that is really fun to do with scripture is come with curiosity because there are a lot of themes we could pull out today when we read these stories in Luke. But the, the theme I want you to come with, the curiosity I want you to come with is how did they celebrate? How do they celebrate? What is Luke trying to tell us in the celebration? So it starts right here in Luke 1 with Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're married. It says they were blameless before God. They're godly people. They're old 
and they cannot have kids. And Zechariah is a priest. And so he's in the temple this one time that where Luke is writing about. He's in the temple and the angel Gabriel appears, not your normal Sunday. And Gabriel says to him, Zechariah, you and Elizabeth are going to have a baby. And it's, the baby's not just gonna be important to you, the baby is gonna be important to the world because he is actually going to lead the way and make the way for the Messiah. And Zechariah's like, nah dog, we're old. And the angel says, no, you are. And since you didn't believe me, I'm gonna make you not able to speak. And then Zechariah is mute. He goes home and his wife does get pregnant. Now, when it says they're old, this is what I did. Cause I was like, if Mary is like 14, 15, 16, somewhere in that age is like old in the Bible, like 27, right? Oh yeah, Elizabeth was old. She was 27, couldn't have kids. Would you like to know how old scholars think Elizabeth was? 88, 88 years old. Now listen, if you're 88, we honor you. We want people of all ages in our church because we need to learn from you. I bet you don't want a newborn. 88 years old? She could have been as young as 60, okay. That is old when it comes to math and having babies. Elizabeth, we're gonna pick up in verse 24. This is Luke 1. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Elizabeth's celebration in the dark is after this long wait for what she longed for and wanted. And with still a lot unknown. But it's beautiful to see. The next thing that happens that Luke records is Mary gets pregnant. Pastor Kevin taught about that last week. If you didn't hear it, I'd suggest going back. It was beautiful teaching. And then she goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth. Now, I don't know the math of an 88-year-old cousin and a 17-year-old cousin, but just go with it. It's just true. So they're cousins. So no wonder Luke told us this story because at first you're kind of like, okay. And then you're like, oh, this is her cousin. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth once Mary finds out she's pregnant. Let's read what happened then. This is Luke 1, verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Listen, we could do a whole sermon off that last verse. Blessed is she or he who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises. But who is celebrating here? For bringing our celebration curiosity, who's celebrating in the dark? Baby John. In the womb, it doesn't get much darker. Ask Jonah than being in a belly, right? And John is celebrating in there. What is he celebrating? What does he know? Sometimes we celebrate in the dark because we just sense something might be God. 
So we go, man, I don't see and I don't understand, but I'm gonna celebrate. And then there's Mary. And Mary sings this beautiful song next with Elizabeth and talk about celebrating in the dark. Mary didn't sign up for this, but then when she did sign up for this, her whole life is different. The dark of what, is I, what am I getting myself into for the next 33 years? She had no idea, but she sings this beautiful praise to God, celebrating in the dark, having no idea what was coming. And then if you've watched Charlie Brown Christmas or if you've read Luke 2, you know what happens next. The angels go and visit the shepherds. Now, shepherds are very low in the socioeconomic classes. They do not have money. They don't have a home. They're nomadic. They are not respected or honored. They live outside. And the angels come to them and say, we've got good news of great joy that is for all the people. A savior has been born. And they go and they find Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus. And this is Luke 2 verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds are celebrating even in the darkness of their physical, financial needs not being met or changed. The shepherds are just celebrating that God is who he says he is, even though they did not walk away with the gold and frankincense and myrrh that the kings brought. They go back to the life they had. They just celebrated on the way there. And then as we heard Pastor Kevin also teach, Simeon and Anna are next waiting in the temple and Mary and Joseph bring baby Jesus and Simeon has been waiting for years and years that God had promised him he would see the Messiah and then he sees this tiny baby and he says, I can go now. This is him, this is the one we've been waiting for. Simeon has lived in the dark of a promise from God that has not come to pass until now. And now he's celebrating. And then there's Anna, who was married for seven years and then was a widow until she was 84. She stayed in the temple worshiping and fasting and praying and she has got a long, dark life of grief and longing. Desires unmet and unfulfilled. And she sees baby Jesus in the temple and she knows it's him. And there she is celebrating in the dark of a life that did not go the way she thought it would. Me too, right? That's all of us in some way, right? Over and over, what we see in the beginning of Luke is people choosing to celebrate Jesus before they knew everything he would do and be, even after much tragedy and grief and longing and pain, sometimes even in the midst of it, in the dark. So why? Why did all these people celebrate? Because light had finally come into the world. In Matthew, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
Matthew is one of the disciples and this is what he writes about Jesus at Matthew 4, 16. He says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. They were living in darkness. And we know what that feels like. 2,000 years later, we know what that feels like. I called Pastor Josh, who is our discipleship pastor here at church. I was like, I need you to check my theology because quick note before you teach, you should always have other people check your theology. And so I said, Pastor Josh, the thing that I'm wrestling with with this verse is the darkness didn't go away, the light just came. I was like, am I reading this wrong? Is the darkness gone? And he was like, that's not what it says. It says they were living in darkness and light appeared. So we can feel that too, right? We can also celebrate Jesus. Jesus is worthy of celebration right now in the life that you have right now, in the problems you bring, in the pain that you feel, and the good days and the bad days. Right now, we can celebrate Jesus. Before we know how this story is gonna end, whatever your this story is, before we know how everything Jesus is gonna do or be for us, even after or in the middle of tragedy and loss and pain and suffering that you may be experiencing, grief, in the midst of all of that, in the dark, we can celebrate. So how do we do it? If you're a list person, I'll make you a list. First of all, celebration is a choice. Celebration is a choice. Y'all have heard me say this before. Your feelings are real. I'm never gonna be a person who tells you your feelings aren't real. Your feelings are real. The thing is, your feelings can ride. They just don't get to drive your life. Keep them with you. Let them help you know what to heal and what to grieve and what to experience and what to celebrate. But they don't get to drive your car of your life. Your feelings aren't meant to do that. Our, our circumstances don't tell us who God is. We tell our circumstances who God is. He does not change. He is good. He is kind. So, you know, a family drives into church this morning and they're about 10 minutes early, which is great. They got the parking spot they wanted. Great. Everyone got along the whole drive here. Shocking. The kids were nice to each other. They go into their little rooms. Everybody's happy. We come in to sing, you love joy to the world. You feel like God is so faithful. And he is. The woman sitting behind you ran about five minutes late to church because her dog is sick and it's been her dog for forever and he's getting older and this, it just doesn't look good. And she's here by herself. And she thought her friends were coming to this service, but they went to a different service. So she's sitting alone and she doesn't like joy to the world. And when the service starts, what she feels is that God is not faithful to her. Do you see the difference? Both of them having two different experiences. If we only listen to our feelings, they don't tell us the truth because the roles could reverse any day and the kids fight the whole way here. Our feelings don't get to tell us who God is. And so we celebrate Jesus. 
And this takes work and effort. I won't tell you that it's easy. This take, takes work and effort, but we see it in everyone in Luke 1 and 2 that they like chose to celebrate even though they didn't know how it was gonna end or where it was gonna go or exactly what was going on. They chose to celebrate anyway. So the way we do that is we celebrate well and we celebrate often. Make this a new spiritual discipline in your life to celebrate often. Ann Voskamp has this beautiful book called A Thousand Gifts. And the idea is write down three things a day that God has done for you and see a thousand gifts by the end of the year. But we need to start looking at our every day and seeing where Jesus is answering our prayers, where God is showing up. What are the little like micro moments that are gifts to you and we can celebrate those. A confetti popper worthy moment once a day. It would get expensive, but it'd be fun. Maybe it's your job that you have a job and you're grateful for it. Your spouse, your kids, your friends, your community, your health. I like hurt my back last week and standing up is great and laying down is great. Sitting down is the problem. So I did every meeting last week and every podcast recording standing. What that has made me do is feel a lot of things. And also the celebration is, man, I love it when I can sit and it doesn't hurt. I love that I'm able to stand here and do this. Finding celebration, holding both. A good parking spot, you can celebrate it. If you've never been to our Dixon campus, there's a place called Dixon Donuts. Listen, celebration. The apple fritters, get out of here. Or maybe it's a beautiful sunset. I mean, it happens in the middle of the afternoon, but it's still really pretty right now, right? I mean, it's beautiful. It's celebrating that you have a friend who listens to you or a concert you're really glad to get to go to or a song on the radio or like the people at Baja Burrito, Major Burrito Perfect so that you got a bite of everything. That is worth celebrating. It is worth celebrating that you're not 88 years old with an infant, okay? Can you imagine losing sleep for the first time as a parent at 88? We can celebrate that. Good for Elizabeth. Also, you woke up this morning. You're breathing. Not everyone woke up this morning. And so tomorrow, if the only thing you can find to celebrate, is a deep breath in the morning and getting a chance to do this again, we celebrate it. We celebrate well and we celebrate often because it is dark around us and celebration is a choice and Jesus is the light. And we celebrate others. Do you want me to give you like the absolute hack to jealousy? Celebrate other people. Celebrate the people you feel jealousy about. I mean, not like weirdly, don't get weird, they'll know. Keep it like normal. But celebrate other people when they win. When we're watching the Dollar Club video, all those people gathered there when we gave away a car and when we gave away a truck. Do you think any of them could use a new car? Maybe. Do you think any of them care about a nonprofit that could really use $10,000 or could really use a truck? Yeah, of course. But you don't see them standing there being like, well, I could use that. 
It's okay if you feel that, but what you saw them doing is celebrating. And so we celebrate others. I think it is incredibly powerful when we celebrate people who God gives the thing that we want to. So when you get that baby shower invitation, that invitation to a number one party and your song has not gone number one, the invitation to a retirement party, the invitation to a wedding, the invitation to a graduation, when you get the chance to celebrate someone else from where it feels dark for you, but it's light for them, something supernatural happens. It's really powerful. I'll tell you why we want to celebrate when God does the thing for them, because what we're actually celebrating is God is doing the thing for someone. We want to celebrate when he answers prayers. That is one of the things we worship about him is that he is listening to us. And, and to be real with you, I can struggle with this. And my job as an author, a podcaster, this time of year, everybody makes lists of their favorites. I, you know where I wanna be? On the top of all of the lists. Best book to read in 2023, please be one of mine. Best person to follow, best podcast list. I wanna be all of that. So what can I do? I can celebrate when my friends get on those lists. It doesn't mean I have to pretend I don't have feelings. I take those feelings to the Lord, to my mentor, whatever. I can, I can have my feelings, but what I do is celebrate because my feelings don't drive, they ride. What drives is who I wanna be. And I want to celebrate when people win. But I'm telling you, we, we only celebrate what is true. Don't pretend, okay? It doesn't actually serve any of us. It doesn't serve for you to pretend, you to pretend like you don't have problems, for me to be up here pretending like I don't have problems. That doesn't serve anybody. That actually doesn't help. We all still have things that are heartbreaking and disappointing. But when you pretend that you don't have problems and you only celebrate, that's actually just called escapism and lying. And binging like that is fun for like some time, but you know what happens on the other side of a binge, you feel terrible. So it actually doesn't serve. We, we celebrate what is true. We bring joy and suffering. A lot of you know this part of my story, but my younger sister and her husband were pregnant about two years ago with a little boy named TJ. And we knew from the beginning that TJ had um, life limiting uh, problems and that he would not live very long when he was born. He was born in June of 22. He lived for 56 days. And the, the last little week of his life, a nurse from Atlanta called me and said, hey, Annie, you need to come down to Atlanta. TJ's kind of showing all the signs that we're coming to the end. And the thing she couldn't have known is we actually had a bunch of cousins in town that weekend that were meant to be there anyway. And, so we had this big plan for like a family barbecue. So we got down there and I'm holding TJ and he's got all these cords attached to him and these machines that are beeping. And I'm saying, TJ, you gotta stick around for the weekend. We're gonna have the best party on Saturday. You do not wanna miss this, dude. It's like our whole family, like stick around. So we're gonna have steak. We're gonna laugh. And he did, because I'm his aunt and he does what I say. And 
So Saturday comes and our whole family's together. And we're having a great time, but you know what's always true? The machines are always beeping. The machines, thank God, did not stop beeping that day. So it's not like we were able to like leave him at home by himself and go somewhere else and forget. I mean, we were there in the room eating steak and potatoes and cake while my nephew's machines were keeping him alive. Both are true. Joy and suffering, peace and problems. We hold them both. And good on that little guy for sticking around for a family barbecue. He uh, passed away that Wednesday, but stayed for the party, my guy. We can hold both. Celebration says that even in the midst of this, whatever your this is, even in the midst of this, Jesus is good and he is kind and he is worthy of our celebration. And therefore, since that is true, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You can say that laughing and you can say that stomping. This is the day I will rejoice and be glad in it. And one day, here's the best news. Are you ready? The the long win for us that are in Christ is one day he is coming back. Advent is about building up our weight and our anticipation over Jesus's birth as a little baby, which will be next week. But the actual waiting we're doing is for him to come back. Like we're in an advent for Jesus's return and he is going to come back and he is gonna bring a new heaven and a new earth and he is gonna rule and reign in righteousness and he is going to straighten all of this out. And that is where our story is going. Followers of Jesus know how, no, followers of Jesus learn how to celebrate in the dark. It's what makes us different is that we don't celebrate based on our circumstances. We have hope that is beyond our circumstances. And we know, what we know, what you and I know is sin does not get the final word. Death does not win in the end. Sickness is not gonna stick around. Every tear will be wiped clean and everything will be as it should be. And as Tolkien wrote, everything sad will be made untrue. Yes, that is worth celebrating. So what do we do for the next seven days? As we walk towards Christmas, do you also rise? This is the darkest week of the year. Here for us, not in other hemispheres, for us. It is the darkest week for us. And I think it's just amazing that on Thursday, the 21st, the actual darkest day of the year, we can be here together on Thursday night. So you're very welcome. If you want somewhere to spend the darkest night of the year, let's spend it celebrating the birth of Jesus. So this week, what I would challenge you and encourage you to do is celebrate, celebrate, seek out celebration, talk about it. Talk to your friends at lunch. Talk to your family tonight. Talk at work about celebration. Like look for it, pray about it. And take your feelings, all of your feelings, the big, beautiful ones, the heartbreaking ones, like take them all to God. Do not ignore them. Don't kick them out of the car. Take them to God. And while you're celebrating, tell the truth. 
And let's celebrate Jesus because the light has come. The light has come. So when we think about Luke 1 and 2, I don't know who you, um, who you connect with the most in that s- section of scripture. Is it like Elizabeth who had this very long, dark wait with a lot of unknowns? Is it baby John who you don't know what's going on, but God's doing something and you want to be a part of it? Is it Mary who... You and God have gotten yourselves into something and you do not know where this train is going, but you're on board. Maybe it's the shepherds where celebration doesn't actually change your physical needs, your financial, relational needs, but you're gonna celebrate anyway. Or maybe Simeon who You've waited so long and God has finally done the thing. Or Anna, who you have had a life of grief and you are still in it, but Jesus is worth celebrating. Go for it. What we're gonna do for our last couple of minutes is celebrate together, worship Jesus. And I would encourage you uh, here at the Nashville campus, wherever you are, you're home, you're home. So if you wanna sit, for this song and just experience it. If you wanna stand up and worship, whatever is, whatever is celebration for you, do it. There's no pressure. We just want you to experience Jesus here. But I'd encourage you to say, even if worship isn't your thing, if music isn't your thing, I'd encourage you to sit and just like be in it and listen to what God might have for you. We're gonna celebrate and as we sing what we're, What we're celebrating is that Jesus is who he says he is, not our circumstances, but we're telling our circumstances who he he really is. I wanna read these verses over us one more time and then we'll worship. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness, hear this, the darkness can never extinguish it.
Promise keeper, light in the darkness. 